Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Just say it loud and proud. Okay, anyways, I'm done. Ready, set, go. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, He who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So we are in week, very good by the way, you get a gold star, right? If we had a bulletin board up there, I'd give you a gold star and you can put it up there. But we are in week number five, okay, of our series under contract, which I had already said. But we have been looking at what it means to be in covenant with God, okay? And our goal in mind, or our goal has been that you and I, okay, I'm, I'm putting myself right in the same boat as you, okay? So if I got to be the ship's captain, come aboard, Right? You remember, I, I'm going to date myself. You remember that old show, Love Boat? Right? So I'm Captain Steubing, maybe. Right? Okay? And then my wife would be Julie, the game director, whatever it is. But we're asking you guys to come on and be a part of what this journey. Right? But see, what we're trying to do is we are trying to begin to build our understanding. Okay? And truly realize that God is a covenant God. God is a covenant God whose heart is for each of us to be confident in the integrity of God's word from Genesis to Revelations. Man, for us to get deep down and say, you know what, God is a covenant God, and man, he's he's integrous when it comes to his word. He's integrous with what he has to say that we read in our Bibles. Okay? And then... So it's so that we can then be just confident that he'll fulfill his promises. He'll fulfill his word to you and I. Because that's part of this covenant contract that he's made with us. That, hey, you know what? I'm going to fulfill my word in your life. You don't need to be worried. You don't need to be dismayed, right? It might not come when you want it to come. But you know what? I am going to fulfill my word in your life because I have made a covenant with you. Wow. And we are recipients of that because of what Jesus did. Because the fact that Jesus went to the cross. And as soon as that had happened, right, then we are able to receive When we ask Jesus into our life, we are able to receive and activate by faith these covenant promises, these covenant rights that God has given towards each one of us. It's not for just special people, right? Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. So as much as he'll do for me, he'll do for you. As much as he did for Billy Graham, he'll do for you. 
But see, we have to understand that's a covenant God. Right? That's, that's all part of the covenant that he has made with us. And, the, and we got to think about it this way. He made this covenant because he loves you. He loves you. He loved you before you loved him. Phantom that. Right? He loved you before, he, before we even, even loved him. Like way before. But he was so passionate in his love that he confirmed his intentions by taking an oath to guarantee that his word would come to pass, not just then, as we've been studying in Genesis 15, right? But even now, today, for you and I, who are followers, who are believers of Jesus, right? And this oath, we've, we've said this before, this oath is what the Bible calls a blood covenant. He made a blood covenant, which is the most binding agreement known to man and is something that God cannot go back on. He cannot go back on it. And let me give you, give you a scripture that backs this up. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It's going to be right here on the board. I mean, it says it right straight away. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He's not going to change, right? What is said in this book is not going to change. It's just not. We might want it to change to fit our lifestyle, to fit our schedule, to fit what, how we think should, things should go, but it's not going to change at all. Has he said, and will he not do it? Now, just... Comprehend that for a minute. Has he not said, has he said, and, and will he not do it? See, sometimes we got to answer that question. Well, what has he said? Well, he said this. Then we have to go, okay, well, then if he said this, and he's a God that doesn't lie, nor is he going to change his mind, that means he's going to follow through. Right? I mean, that takes some radical faith. Okay? It really does. Take some very radical faith because inside of us, there's that wrestling match that goes on and go, yeah, yeah, but did he really? He said what? And, and you know, the enemy goes, he, he's not going to work for you. It, 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 this isn't going to come true. These are just words in a book. How, how, how do you even know this is, this is real? But see, that's the whole journey of faith. That's the whole journey that the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us, just confirming that we are a son or a daughter of God. And if we are a son and daughter of God, then you know what? We are part of this covenant he made with us. Therefore, he's going to fulfill it. Right? So it says, or has he spoken and, he, and will he not fulfill it? And here's the crazy thing. Okay? When you think about it. God did not, he didn't need, wait, I'm going I'm to read it again. It's not that God needed something like the covenant to hold himself accountable. Just think about it, right? God didn't need the covenant to hold himself accountable. Why? Because God knew that he's true to his word. God knew that he was faithful to what he had promised. He will make sure that it comes to pass. But the reason why he had to make this oath, because we are sometimes just like Abraham. 
In Genesis 15, right, he knew that not just Abraham, well, and we'll read what Abraham said, right? But there would be many more like Abraham, me included, okay, me included, that, that would say, yeah, but how do I know that's going to come to pass? How, how, how do I know? See, God's trying to set up this covenant with, 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 with Abraham, and Abraham's like, hey, that's all great, but how am I going to know it's going to come to pass? And so he makes this oath because he loves us, and he wants to prove to Abraham, he wants to prove to us as well, don't worry, I'm going to back my word. You just need to have faith that I'm able to do that, right? And that's why, you know, because we, we, we walk in doubt sometimes on all of these things, but, but that's why it's important for us to read our Bible. It's important for us to be in the Word of God, right? Why? Because we need to get it into our hearts and into our minds. You know, so you can find Scripture like this, okay? Because, see, what's really cool is the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing up those Scriptures that you memorized or that you have read. He's really good at that, right? But, but, but we'll find scriptures like in Jeremiah 1.12. It's not even on the board here. But this is what he tells Jeremiah, right? Remember, God can't lie. He, said, he says this to Jeremiah, okay? And, 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 and put yourself in that category. Because if it's God's word, he's also talking to you, okay? But this, this is what it says. It says, he is watching over his word to perform it. God told Jeremiah, hey, Jeremiah, I just want you to know, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Not maybe perform it. Uh, if you're really, a, really, 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 really good and you did a whole bunch of works, then maybe. No. He said, man, I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but Pastor Scott, there are certain things that sometimes, man, I have used God's word and it didn't, didn't happen the way I wanted to. Well, I, I, I'm not God. I'm, I'm not. But man, I, I know what he said to do. And so we need to, to look at it from that perspective. Okay, God's watching over to perform his word. So I just want to encourage you, if you have missed the last four weeks, go listen to the podcast right? Or, um, you know, take your study guide, review it, go over it, do all of those things, you know, or um, we also have that book, God Swears at the, book, uh, at the desk out there, if you're interested in getting that. But really, the idea, and I'm going to say this probably every single week from here on out, is, but the, it's important, because the more revelation you and I have on this, the more confidence and the more real covenant becomes to us. It just, it's just how it works. So today, this is where we're going today. Okay, you ready? So remember, I'm Captain Steubing, right? Okay, you're all on the boat with me? Okay, so today we're going to focus our attention on this, this, this fact. On the fact that the spiritual covenant with God that we call salvation, including all of its promises and provision, is not actually between us and God. It's between God and Jesus. And that's important. Because, you know, we, we, we figure, well, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm saved, and you're talking about how God wants to keep the covenant with me and all that. Yes, he does, 100%. But see, this whole um, idea or this whole truth 
that it's between God and Jesus is so important because you know what? If it's between God and Jesus, then there's nothing that we can do to ruin the covenant, to change his mind. It blows me away. God loves us so much that instead of, hey, you know what, this is what happened. Remember, we've been talking about, you know, all the things and, and the covenant promises and, and the ceremonial things and the things you say. And if this, if this doesn't happen, then this happens. Jesus took, the, took it all. Took it all. Right? So we just, and we'll get into this a little more. We just get to walk in because of the grace because of his love and because of what Jesus did, we just get to walk into this covenant that really all we had to do was say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. That's all we had to do. And instantly, we were put in covenant relationship with God. Man, that is so impactful when we, when we recognize that. It, it, it just, it, it, it's great. But so what happens then, when it's between God and Jesus, it becomes totally unbreakable. The covenant becomes totally unbreakable. Now I say totally, that's kind of my California coming out. Totally. Anyways, it's totally unbreakable. It will not be broken. You can do nothing to break the covenant that God has made. Not if you mess up three times in a week and you repent and you say, God, forgive me. God says, okay, covenant's still there. You didn't break it. I, I'm, I'm so excited about that. I mean, because there are times flesh comes, flesh overtakes. And, you know, you might, something might slip out of your mouth or something might happen. And I got to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, I'm so sorry. I, you know, help me in my, in this construction project. Help me to get better. And every time he'll look at me and say, you know what? But you didn't break the covenant. Covenant's still activated. It's still real for you because you're my child. And you're coming back and you're repenting. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about that. But it's on breakable. It won't falter, right? It won't weaken no matter how unfaithful we are. No matter how unfaithful we are. This is what 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 says. If we are faithless, right? Man, you ever felt like, man, I'm faithless sometimes? Okay. I mean, that, and that means, you know what, man, we don't believe or we're just kind of untrue to him. It says this. He remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Wow. How awesome and amazing is that? Even when I am faithless, he's faithful. He's faithful to you. Even when you have those moments of, of doubt. Maybe you have those moments of unbelief. Maybe you have those moments where you know, I mean, yeah, I was not very faithful to, to the Lord. It doesn't matter because you know he's still going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful, right? And we believe that. But we got to allow that to be activated in our life and not think, well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. So really, man, we should be praising God. That Jesus is so faithful, even 
his children struggle, even when we struggle sometimes, even when we go through things in the flesh that we know, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done. Yet he's so faithful every single time. And the reason why is because Jesus, the promised sinless God-man, he purchased, sealed, and now eternally sustains this divine contract between God and mankind. All because of Jesus. It's all because of what Jesus did. That then God can invite, graciously invite every believer, right? Every Christian to partake of this divine covenant. Including all of the privileges and all of the benefits that come with it because of the finished work of Christ. Okay? So our title for our message today, Our Covenant with God through Christ, because it, it, he's the main source to this. And so I don't think I prayed, so I want to pray really quick, because we got to keep on, you know, moving in the boat. Holy Spirit, confirm God's word in our heart today. Give us deeper understanding and revelation of what you're saying to us individually. Speak our language so that we hear. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. We'll be in uh, Genesis 15, starting in verse 12. Okay, but this is where God reminds Abraham of the promise. You know, because in verse 8 again, Abraham said, well, man, how do I know, man, that you'll even do this? And then God responds back in verses 10 and 11. And he says, go get me some animals. Okay, but see, back then... Abraham would know, oh, whoa, 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 God wants to make a covenant. Because that was how they made an oath. That's how they made their commitment to one another. So God says, yeah, go get me some animals. And so he wants to, to, to seal his promise in this covenant with an oath. Because, you know, he's saying, hey, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you're not sure? Okay, let, let, let's go do what, what you know. Well, see, that's so great about God. He takes the practical things that we know and he, he, he shows us spiritual truth in them. So there, there'll be times when he's, when he's speaking to you and it's a very practical thing. Like my wife always gets stuff from God when she's gardening. Like, ooh, right? Not that I don't like to get my hands dirty, but ooh. But she always comes back, hey, you know what the Lord showed me? Do you know what the Lord spoke to me about? What? Because I know it's coming, right? So I should be in expectancy. But that's just how it is. My favorite place to hear from God, and I, I'm so far away from it, is the beach. Man, I love walking on the beach. But God uses some of that stuff just to kind of confirm some things in me. So he's just using this, hey, I know this is what we're going to do because this is what you would, would get. You would understand. Okay? So let's pick up in verse number 12 in Genesis 15. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Now, scholars say, well, you know what? Part of that is because, man, he had to cut those animals in half. That was hard work. He was probably pretty exhausted. But the other thing about it is it's the same term that, um, that the Bible uses for the deep sleep that God put on Adam in order to take the rib out of Adam. So he almost, you know, kind of gave him this, this divine sedative, right? And then it says this, And behold, 
dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. What? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. We're cutting a covenant. God's good. God's love, right? But you know what? In this moment, scholars again believe that, that Abraham was sensing and feeling all of this wickedness in the world. He, 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 all of this stuff. But see, here's God making a covenant to him. So there's, there's some kind of revelation going on here. And then it says, it says this, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain. Know for certain. Right? Because he's about to erase all doubt regarding his promises, regarding his intentions. And then he goes on and he starts uh, um, listing all these attributes of the covenant. Now, I'm going to say this, though. When you look at this, you might think, well, wow, that's not really that exciting. But it says this, that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Wow, that's really exciting, God, right? Verse 14, here comes the but, right? When God puts the but, that's like so like, yeah, here he comes, right? Um, okay, he says, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they will serve or they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, I think it's in Exodus 6, 6 through 12, where it talks about, hey, once that, that, that Passover um, came and, and God, you know, that last plague came, when they, they let the people go, when they, when they let the people out, all of the, the Egyptians were like, hey, have whatever you want of mine. Just get out of here. And so it, it talks about how God miraculously made them just have all of these resources, all of this money, all of these things. So one, you would look at it and go, well, that's not exciting about being a sojourner for, you know, a long time and just 400 years and being in slavery and all that. But God said, you know what? You're going to come out of it, right? Because he knew we're, we're human. We make mistakes. But he's telling them, hey, don't worry about it, though. My covenant's going to be true. So he says, verse 15, as for you, Abram, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. So after seeing all this being in this, he's just reaffirming to Abraham, hey, don't worry about it. Part of this covenant is that you'll, you'll die at a good old age and you'll be in peace. Verse 16, and they, that's Abraham's descendants or Abram's descendants, shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now you might think, wow, that's kind of a weird, weird scripture. But, but think about it, even in our own journey, when God promises something, sometimes he's got to move the pieces around to get to the right time and the right place in order to fill what he's promised to you. So your decisions today can affect your the, the, what happens in the, tomorrow. Does that make sense? Your decisions today will affect your children, generations to come, and grandchildren, and, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Your decisions today that you make have this effect. And so he's talking about, hey, man, I got a, there's, there's some puzzle pieces because these people are in your land, but yet I am not there yet to be able to, to, to kind of do what I need to do. I, I got to make sure this is complete. Sometimes we've got to trust God enough to say, okay, yeah, I'm not getting my answer right away or I'm not seeing where this is going. Because how many have ever been there? 
You know God's doing something, but you haven't seen like where it's going. And I, I always get, this is just my head, I always get, man, God's putting puzzle pieces together for me. And he's making this, and, he, and he's somehow making this beautiful picture that I can't see. And man, and there's times I, I want to argue against God. God, why can't I see the picture? I want to see a bigger, I want to know. And God said, hey, don't worry about it. You just do this, you, you keep faithful to every day walking with me. I'll put all the puzzle pieces the way it's supposed to be, and you'll see, right? So hopefully that's an encouragement to all of you. But see, here he is. God is, is stating all of the primary aspects of his covenant with Abraham. He's, he's stating it, but then listen to this. He, he then unfolds, right, one of the most um, dramatic scenes in the Bible, okay? There are other dramatic scenes. I would say crossing the Red Sea, that's pretty dramatic, you know, water pulling up, all that, a bunch of other stuff. But this is one of the most dramatic scenes. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I, it's never been recorded, not on a video or a DVD or whatever it is. But see, God takes an oath in blood in order to confirm his promise. Verse 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, I give the land. Now, before we go any further, I want to at least establish this, and then we'll, we'll get into that portion that I, that, I, that I just read. But you have to realize there's two types of covenants, okay? Two types of covenants. The first is a parity covenant, a parity covenant, which is a binding agreement between two equal parties. So you know how when two tribes come together, two kings come together, two families come together? It's like what marriage is, right? Two parties coming together, agreeing, hey, all that I have now is yours, all that is yours is mine, you know, type of thing, and all of that. That is a parity covenant, okay? Now, the second, and I'm just going to apologize right now. I might butcher this a little bit, but it'll be, it's right up there on the board, and if you can say it better than me, praise God, okay? All right? But the second is... The suzerainty covenant, which is a unilateral and one directional agreement that is offered by a ruler to his subjects. Okay? So, this type of covenant, there is no two way negotiation going on. There's no two way negotiation going on. It's the ruler setting the terms. Then he invites his subjects to accept or reject what he has proposed, what he has invited them to. Now, with that info, hopefully you can see that, God's co that, that the covenant, all covenants with God are suzerainty. All covenants with God are suzerainty, right? It wasn't like, you know, we could negotiate with God about his covenant. No, this, this, is, this is it. This is the covenant. You either accept it or you don't. How you get to the covenant is Jesus, my son. Either you accept him or you don't. Wow. Right? So all of these covenants that we, we speak about or what God has given to us are all about the fact that, you know what, in God's righteous sovereignty, he set the conditions. 
right? Making a covenant with man in our sin. He knew already man is going to be sinful. But yet, he didn't care. He said, you know what? I don't care how sinful you are. I want to make a covenant with you if you will believe in my son Jesus. And then I will make sure that all the covenant rights, all the promises, all the things I've got for you are now yours. Because you've made this commitment. You've made, you've walked into this covenant that I promised. Not based on you. Not based on your, your ability to be good. But based on your ability to, to understand and believe that Jesus is God's son. That Jesus died on the cross. That Jesus rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. All because of that. Not because of how good you are. And then, it blows my mind. Because through his own self-imposed obligation, he self-imposed this obligation to guarantee to bring us into holiness, to guarantee to provide and give us protection and provision, all because of his grace and his love for us. He put himself in that position to guarantee it. Well, I, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't go to him and say, hey, I guarantee, right? I mean, have you ever gone, God, I guarantee I will be a good boy, a good girl, right? No. But see, he put him in that self in that position. And when he put himself in that position, then you know what? He, 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 he put himself in that position in order to keep covenant with you. To say, hey, you know what? No matter what, I am going to be in covenant with you if you continue to respond. Right? You continue to respond in, in repentance. You continue to respond in faith. You continue to respond in obedience or, lo or love. And love, whatever. You keep doing that, and guess what? Every single one of the covenant promises that are available in God's word is yours. Remember, we read a scripture that says God doesn't lie. He keeps his word. He keeps his word all the time. All right, now let's go back to Genesis 15, right? And we'll, we'll kind of look at this suzerainty uh, covenant in action. Genesis uh, 7, 15, 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot, right? Or, or, or it was mingled with a flaming torch passed between these pieces, right? So Abraham had cut the animals, all the blood came out. You remember we talked about how there had to be a blood pathway in order to cut a covenant, you know, in the natural. So he does that. God puts Abraham in a deep sleep. And then all of a sudden, right, the smoking pot and the flaming torch show up. Like, what is that? Right? Because you could read that in your Bible and go, huh? I, I don't get that. What, 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 what does that all mean? Because those two pieces help confirm the covenant with Abraham. And we could think, well, that, that is some weird, weird stuff. But see, we have to understand there's more to it than just the physical descriptions that are given in the Bible. Way more. Right? Because, again, you could read it and go, 
okay, that's weird. But see, he, let me give you the, the two thoughts of what these objects represent. Okay, so the interpretations vary with scholars, they, but they all agree to this. That both are theophanies. Okay, say that ten times fast, right? Theophanies, which are visible manifestations of God that are temporary. Okay? So, we've, we've, seen, we've seen some of these manifestations uh, occur in the Bible, right? Regarding kind of like a fire and smoke. I'll give you a couple of examples. There's some in your workbook. Uh, I don't know if I covered all of them. But Exodus chapter 3. Remember God showed up in a burning bush? Right? That was God. That was a theophany. Okay? Exodus chapter 13, the pillar of fire. Exodus 19, God's presence on Mount Sinai was described as fire and smoke. Okay? But here's the second idea and the thought, and really more specifically, the smoking fire pot mingled with the flaming torch was a Christophany. Okay? It was a Christophany, a visual appearance of Jesus pre-incarnate. Pre-incarnate means before he became Jesus, before he showed up as Jesus. Okay? So these two things were, were, were a Christophany, where Jesus is showing up and he is involved in this covenant. That's awesome. Right? So he becomes not just God's representative, but he becomes mankind's representative as well in this suzerainty covenant. So while Abraham slept, Jesus, yeah, Yeshua, in his pre-incarnate state, passed through the trail of blood, both sealing the Abrahamic covenant and taking, I mean, listen to this, listen, 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 listen. Taking on himself the curse of death. Because you remember, in a covenant, if you break the covenant, then you know what? That means death. When, you, when, they, when they made a covenant between two tribes, two kings, whatever it is, if you broke that covenant, then you know what, man? Death's coming. Because you broke the covenant. So right here, Jesus, he put himself in this position and he, he took the curse of death in the terms of the covenant if they were broken. But as we know, he, he went to the cross, right? And you could say, oh my gosh, he died. But we know that he rose again and that he is alive, right? So he took all of this sin, our sin, upon himself, died for the three days, right? Even though, man, he was in, it says that he was unlocking prisoners in hell, right? But on the third, he rose again, and he's alive right now, right? And so he took away that sting of death. He took away that. And really, we can see, because, okay, so let me, let me, let me jump um, back to kind of this Old Testament idea, okay? Because we can see this hold true of the fact that death did not come to those who broke the covenant, right? Because Abraham's descendants broke the covenant and violated it time after time after time after time after time. 
Yet, you didn't see them, Israel, die. And then, what, so then what God had to do, because the covenant was between God and Jesus, he had to then put in times when pagan nations would come and, and, and would, you know, basically quarantine um, their disobedience. And then he had to set up these Old Testament sacrificial system to, you know, provide for um, the covering of our sin, for their sin. But see, the thing is, this temporary punishment never satisfied the covenantal requirement of death. Never did, because that's what should have happened. But only uh, because only Jesus, right, the sinful God-man, represented him through the, only his shedding of his own blood could repair the breach created by man's sinful ways. He was the only one. And he was in, right, he was in the covenant. And so even in that violation of, of the Abrahamic covenant, Christ's death and resurrection fulfilled the original covenant. And you can even go back all the way to Genesis 3, right? There was kind of a covenant made there when God said, hey, you know what? Man, a seed will come from the woman and he'll squash. He'll, he'll take care of this, this, this enemy. He will redeem all who are lost, which was talking about Jesus so when Jesus did this, it initiated a brand new, everlasting, suzerainty covenant, which is now available to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Anyone who would submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Man, you are automatically put right there. And this is what Paul is going to refer to in, in Galatians 3. And, and we'll, we'll get there. And I'm going to give you three quick points. Not a whole lot. A lot of, maybe some scripture, but not, not, not a whole lot here. Okay? Because in Galatians 3, Paul is trying to get across that Jesus purchased, sealed, and now sustains our covenant with God. So the first point is Christ purchased our new covenant with God with his blood. Christ purchased our new covenant with God with his blood. Galatians 3.13 says... Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, when Paul used this word redeemed, he was painting a picture that the hearer or the reader in, in that time would understand. He's painting this picture of, this is what he's painting, of a buyer or a redeemer, this is what they would call him, a, a redeemer, who has gone to the slave market to purchase the slave for the sole purpose of bringing them out of that place into a place of freedom. So Jesus, it says right here, Christ redeemed us from that bondage, from all of these things that, that hold us back. He came and, and we were slave to sin, Right? Have you ever felt like you were a slave to sin? That's all. I'm just a slave to it. Well, see, Jesus came to break you out of that slave of sin attitude. And now you can say, well, no, I'm not a slave to that anymore because he came and he purchased for me my salvation. He purchased for me this covenant. And so he set me free now from this captivity, 
from this, 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 um, this, this, this bondage of sin that I'm in. So it says, therefore, if Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So basically he's telling us through Jesus' sacrificial death, right? He didn't only pay for our sin, but his death removed us from living under the curse of the old covenant. Because, listen to this, he changed places with us and put himself under that curse. Think about that. Because really, we deserve so much circumstances, right? We do. But because of what Jesus did, he took it. He took all of it. So, Paul paints that picture when he says, you know, again, Jesus purchased for us, right? He hung on the cross. He was the Lamb of God. You remember in John, when John pointed out and said, behold, the Lamb of God, when Jesus came walking up. So here he is. Jesus is suspended between heaven on one side and earth on the other side. And Jesus created this divine pathway of blood that both satisfied the penalties of the old covenant, setting us free, and establishing for us a new and better covenant with God that we can walk in freedom because of the covenant that he made with us. You can walk in freedom. Each and every one of you can walk in freedom from whatever circumstances, whatever is holding you back from this real relationship with God. You can because he's purchased it already for you. But see, sometimes you've got to activate this in faith. Let me read you a couple of scriptures right here. Uh, Hebrews 9.12. It says this, he, which is Christ, entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an an eternal redemption for who? You and I, right? Romans 5.17 says this, For if because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, death reigned through the one man, but much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, listen to this, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Right? And realize, you can't reign unless you're free. Right? You can't walk in covenant and all the promises and be who God's called you to be because God's called each one of you to be so much more. But you can't reign in this life if you're, you're caught in bondage. You can only do it when you're set free. Point number two, Christ sealed our new covenant with his resurrected life. Christ sealed our new covenant with his resurrected life. So again, in Galatians 3.14, it says this. So that in Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Guess who's the Gentiles? That's you and me. We're Gentiles. Unless, you know, you were born, I guess, in Israel or, or, or of, of, of Jewish descent. But see, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So 
While Jesus' death forever secured eternal redemption for mankind, his resurrection life initiated this new everlasting covenant that we have with God. Which means then, through the finished work of Jesus, mankind can be thoroughly justified from all previous sin and eternally qualified to have, an, have intimus, intimate access into God's premise and promises. So he said, you know what? When you come to me and you ask for the forgiveness of your sin, all that past is wiped away. See, we remember it. We remember all the baggage. We remember all that stuff. But to Jesus, when you've confessed, you repented, guess what? It's all wiped away. It's all gone. Because of the abundance of his grace, us getting what we don't deserve. And then it says, and the free gift of righteousness. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong scripture. Way to go, Pastor Scott. Right? But see, we can have, well, you can apply that too, right? But see, it, it equally qualified us. Now we can be intimate with God. We can pull up a seat to God because of what Christ has done. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, 14 says this. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin. See, we don't have to keep sacrificing. Jesus paid for it once and for all. He sat down. Now, in order to sit down, you've got to be alive. Is that true? Yeah, right? So he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Why doesn't God just go ahead and just boom? He could just take care of it, right? Think about that. We want God to instantly react for us. Yeah, here Jesus is. Hey, I'm sitting, man. Why aren't you making my enemies my footstool? Okay? Now, he has, he has all authority, all power. I'm not saying anything. But, but see, there's a timing. There's a timing here. Right? God wants everyone to hear the gospel. God wants everyone to have an opportunity. But see, he could have took, just took care of it. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So by what he did, he doesn't need to do it anymore. All we need to do is come to him. And because of that, let me read you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 in the message version. Man, and, and, and I love this scripture. It's not in, in your notes directly. But it says, now that we know what we have, Jesus. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God. Right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Ready access. We have this Jesus if we have made him our Lord and Savior. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. You ever let something slip through your fingers? Right? A lot of times, like, you know, you're carrying a plate or carrying a glass, you know, a glass slip through your fingers. Crash, break all over the place. Well, that, that's what happens when we, we, we kind of walk away from our relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? All kinds of chaos happens. All kinds of splintering and breaking and all these things. And then we got to go to Jesus. And Jesus says, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll scoop it back up. It's all good. Okay? But it says this, let, us not, let it not slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. So he, he's in touch with your reality right now. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He, he, he just knows it. 
He's not out of touch with it. He's not like, oh my gosh, Pastor Scott, that is way too much for me to handle right now. I just, I'm just going to back off from that. Uh, I'll, I'll check back with you, Pastor Scott, in about two weeks. See, see where that's at. No, he's in touch with my reality. He's like, man, I want to be a part of it. Ask me in. Let me be a part of this thing. It says he's been through weaknesses and testing, right? How many of us been through weaknesses and testing? Yep, amen. Experienced it all, right? Okay. All but the sin. He never sinned. So then it says, let's walk right up to him. Right? We have intimate access to Jesus because he's alive. Let us walk right up to him in prayer, right? In, 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 in relationship with him. And get what he is so ready to give. Covenant promises. The what the word of God has to say. He is ready. He's willing. He wants to. But sometimes it's us walking into his throne room of grace as a way another uh, a passage or a version describes it. Walking into his throne room of grace and receiving mercy in our time of need. And saying, Lord, man, I got this situation. I got this thing, but man, I know that I'm in covenant with you. And you say, man, you won't lie. And so I'm, I'm putting what the covenant says before you. And if that's all I got to stand on, then that's all I'm going to stand on. And he, he gets excited about that. He's probably like high-fiving Jesus and, and, and the whole, angels, look at, look at Pastor Scott. He, he's, he's standing on my word. Yeah. See, we, we always get this picture of God being Mr. Captain Bummer, right? And he's just crossing his arms. He's like, well, let's see what they do now. I hope they do better. I hope. That's not him. His whole thing, man, he, he's probably your biggest cheerleader. He's probably got pom-poms and all that stuff. And when we just begin to have this relationship with him, no matter where we felt, where we are, where we're at, and man, he just gets excited because you're his children, right? Yesterday, Ezra had a flag football game, and, and he scored a touchdown. I didn't sit there and go, oh, that wasn't good enough, man. No! I was like, yeah, number three, way to go. We like to kid him. We call him Baby Gronk, right? Yeah, Baby Gronk. And he always goes like, shh, right? Because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. But see, man, I was excited for him. Then he, then he, gets, then he gets in on another play and helps score the extra point. They went for a two-point conversion, and they threw it to him. He caught it. He was involved in that. He had a great game. But I didn't sit there with my arms crossed. <sighs> you know, you missed that block. You did this, and you did that. No, I was excited for him, right? Same way God is for us. When we begin to just apply our relationship, begin to apply this covenant promise, man, God is so excited. He is just, yeah, look, this is awesome. Probably talked way too much, but anyways. So it says, let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. The covenant is there to help. Right? All right, let me give you number three. Christ sustains our new covenant with God as our mediator. So important that we, we, we recognize that. As our mediator. Galatians 3, 15 through 16 says, To give a human example, brothers or sisters, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. 
Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Notice. Uh, wait, listen, let me do this. Made to Abraham and to his offspring. That's not plural, is it? Is it? No, it's not. That's important. It does not say, and to offsprings. Okay? Which would mean everybody. Referring to man, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. Who is Jesus. So this covenant contract, again, is between God and Jesus. But because, because we're in Christ, God honors the covenant. Because we're in Him. We're seen as in Him. Right? We don't go around and say, hey, Heather, in Christ, what's up? Right? We don't say that. Hey, Carlos, in Christ, what's up? We don't say that. But see, the, we need to start looking at each other like, you're in Christ. And us going, yeah, I'm in Christ. Therefore, when, when, when God was promising Abraham, he was promising it to Christ. He was talking to Christ. This is what the, the author was trying to highlight in Hebrews. This is what he says. He says, therefore... He, meaning Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant. So that those who are called, many receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred. Whose death? Jesus. That redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Now, understand what a mediator is, and you probably might already know this. But he is one who works to negotiate and resolve a disagreement between two parties. Okay? And the New Testament is clear, as we just read in Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is the one and only mediator between a holy God and a sinful man. Think about that. He is the only mediator. That's why we need him as our Savior. So, you might say, well, what, 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 what's the disagreement? Okay. Well, while on one hand, God loves his creation, but he really hates sin because it violates his holy standard and really corrupts the life that he intended for us. He intended so much more for Adam and Eve, but because they sinned, it corrupted their life. They didn't get to experience all that God really had for them. And so then, uh, here, here, here's the thing, though. Uh, on one hand, right, we could say, well, yeah, we're, we're born into sin. We're born into it. God knows that. And then, because we accept Jesus, then we are declared righteous before God. And through this finished work of the cross. But here we are. We're still under construction. We are still in the process of being perfected from everyday weaknesses, right? A.K.A. sin. And really, if you think about it, that's why it's so futile to try to argue with God or justify yourself to God because sin is sin. We just have to recognize that. Right? There isn't like, oh, well, this is really a small sin, so I can just get away with it. Right? No, sin is sin, and we need to be justified. We need to get right. 
And, and no amount of our, our, our good works will make things right or anything like that. But see, it's us going, right? It's us going to the mediator of this covenant and repenting. As if you're a Christian, we, we, we need to repent more, I think. And then Jesus, right, then represents those who have placed their trust in him before God's throne of grace, and he mediates for us. Okay? He mediates for us, much like a defense attorney mediates for his client. And I, this, is the, this isn't like what he actually says, but I believe this is kind of what the gist is. Your honor, my client is innocent of all charges against them. Who's the judge? God. Who's our mediator? Jesus. He says, my client is innocent of all charges against them because my blood has already covered their sin, which qualifies them to receive all of God's promises. Whoo! I'm so glad I have a mediator. I think he goes to work a lot for me. The God, God's able. I mean, Jesus, hey, God, man, I've took care of that sin for him already. He asked and he repented. He, he's on the right track. Okay, let me give you a scripture. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus. And I'm going to give you this last scripture and we're going to close. This is why Romans 8.1-2 says this. And I, and I did it in the trans, uh, Passion Translation for a reason. It says, So now the case is closed. The case is, remember the mediator? He's before the judge. Jesus said, hey, I took care of your sin. He says, now, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Now, you'll hear a voice, but it ain't God. It ain't Jesus. It ain't, it ain't. It's not even the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will correct you. But he will not tell you, you're, you're, you're trash. You're terrible. You're, 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 you are so bad. There is nothing. Man, you just did the worst thing in the world, and there's nothing God can do to forgive you. There's nothing God can do to, 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 to change that. You're, you're, just, you're, you're just trash. That's not God. God's like, yeah, no, no, no. You're not trash. You're, you're my special person. You're, you're my, the apple of my eye. The Bible says, man, he dances over you. He sings over you. And so he, here it is. We might hear those accusations, but man, we got to talk back to those accusations sometimes and just tell, hey, no, 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 no. I don't receive that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit may need to tweak me a little bit and teach me a little bit, but he's not bringing like, oh, you're just terrible. Enough said. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. We are liberated. We are set free, willing to walk free. So even though you don't feel deserving, we can still be confident. We can still be confident that God is faithful to his promise, that God wants us to walk in covenant. God wants to fulfill all of the promises of God in your life. He might not look, again, like the way you want him to look, but he wants to fulfill all of them 
right? And we might get to heaven and we might have some questions. Hey, God, respectfully, of course. Why, why didn't this happen? I, I, I was standing on what your covenant said. And God said, well, let me tell you. And he might play this out and let you know. And you're like, ah, oh, got it. Okay, thanks. But he loves you deeply, 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 deeply. And he wants you to be confident in his promises that they are yes and amen for you. And because of what Jesus did, because he purchased, sealed, and is the mediator of our covenant relationship with God, we can walk with confidence. We can walk boldly. We do not have to be a slave to things that are not of God. We can walk in confidence with that. So if you would, bow your heads for a minute. I'm going to pray. And uh, we'll end our service. But Lord Jesus... I thank you for the opportunity today to deliver your word. And I hope and my prayer is that you, Holy Spirit, will continue to speak to each one of us. Maybe what we've heard in, in the message today, or maybe you'll, you'll recall something that speaks deeply to our hearts, that speaks deeply to, to our relationship with you, to where they, you, we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you love us so no matter what we find ourselves in or find ourselves doing. When we run back to you, your covenant says that you would be there with open arms, welcoming us, loving on us, helping us in, in the process of all of it. And so we are so grateful for that. We are so just blown away that you would make a covenant with a sinful man. But through Christ Jesus, we are more. We are more. We are more. You are more, brother and sister, in him. Don't, don't, keep, looking, don't keep looking at yourself. Start looking at him in you. Every day, look in that mirror and say, I am in Christ. Don't allow the enemy to rip you off of who you are in me. I've even said that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I want you to live that way, children. I want you to live that way in that confidence because you are under a covenant with me and my covenant never falters. And all of the promises are yes to you through what you, Jesus has done. And so, Lord, we're grateful for that. And I thank you that you would remind us each day to look in that mirror, to look and say, I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, man, I can walk in a covenant with the might, Almighty One. And so I thank you for all that you're going to do this week in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. 
For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.